Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! Hey, so this week it is 4th of July weekend. I hope everybody's having a safe 4th of July. I hope your doggies are okay. I hope maybe you you don't have friends lighting fireworks because this part of the country is in a drought currently. And so maybe not lighting fire around grass and stuff would be smart. Also, my one of my dogs absolutely hates fireworks, but it's enough about me. This week, I've got Tracy Jordan on. Some of you know Tracy Jordan, obviously. People know people. Uh, but all of you have definitely encountered Tracy Jordan if you are a part of the Facebook group, the Texas Theater Facebook group, uh, because he posts and reposts. He's constantly shilling for you. Uh, so he's he's uh, sharing your information. So normally when you post something about a show or, or an achievement or something for your program, uh, Tracy takes that information and he posts it onto that page. And so he's trying to help out all of the Texas theater educators around the state, obviously, Texas, and just show for you. So I'm going to show for him for just a second, but you'll hear him talk about this in the interview, but collegeauditionprepweekend.com. I'm not making money from this. You know, I give out my my shills for free, which I shouldn't. Oh, what a bad Jew. Uh, but uh, Tracy heads this up, and it takes place in August, and I encourage you, and the link will be in the in the description of this pod, but uh, college audition prep weekend. It's great for your kids to just learn some skills and techniques or hone them or, or advance on them, advance on them, uh, progress them. I don't know. I don't, again, English, not to my first language. Uh, so it's one of those things I encourage you to check out. The website is full of information, so it doesn't leave a lot of questions unanswered on the website, which is really, really great. Uh, I want to make sure I'm again, shilling, shilling to the people, but make sure you're checking out bonfire.com backslash store backslash minor wisdom, uh, uh, or just, you know, check it out again in the description or go to Twitter or the Facebook, but I really want to encourage you all to purchase a shirt. We've only got a few days left of this particular campaign. Uh, the shirts will be available year round, but there are a handful of shirts. And also my daughter just created one. I She wanted to create a shirt, so I let her. Why not? It doesn't cost me a dime to create them, but it does help support the podcast. And you know, this microphone I'm speaking on is a newer microphone because the old one, just it just isn't a podcast microphone. It just wasn't. So I did 150 episodes on a microphone that really wasn't meant for podcasting. It's, uh, uh, I had, had a lot of EQing that I had to do. Uh, so this, this, this microphone, uh, you know, hosting the site that hosts the podcast or paying for the site, not hosting the site, you know, there, there are expenses to it. So I just want to make sure that you, uh, you, you know, you know that stuff. Uh, and, and I'm a teacher, guys. I'm a teacher. Um, I also want to give a shout out. Apparently, everybody's coming back. Uh, Thed Talks is just announced that they're doing a vlog, I guess, I think, a video uh, blog. So good for him. And, uh, and then the Dragoos uh, are coming back, or they came back this past week with their podcast. So um, I don't know if I started something. I don't, I didn't start anything, but, uh, it just coincidence, but, uh, uh, it, it, it's cool. You know, more content. Great. Help you out, help teachers get to know other teachers. And again, the, the, the Dragoos do more of a, of a, you know, PD classroom pedagogy tips and tricks, things like that. And I'm just an interviewer looking to find out what cheese you like, you know? So, uh, good for them. I'm glad they're coming back and, and, most people know why they kind of took a year off, almost a year. Uh, so if you if you need to know, uh, go back in the archives of, of Annie's Facebook page. Um, also, you know, unfortunately, this past week, uh, we lost a huge pillar in the Texas theater community, Marion Castleberry. Um, and I had Marion on episode 101 was when uh, that interview was posted 
Uh, so I encourage you to go back and listen just for, um, you know, just to, just to hear his voice. But I wasn't directly affected by Marion Castleberry. I was, you know, as I've said many times, I was a UH student and I didn't really do a lot of theater in the Waco area or, you know, any, any, any stuff like anything like that. Uh, but for those people that were directly affected or even indirectly affected by Mr. Castleberry, uh, you know, my heart goes out to you. Uh, any, any loss is, uh, dramatic and tragic, but, uh, you know, a loss where it's, it's a powerhouse type person that has an effect on so many people and so many people's lives and the direction of these people, you know, I've talked to other theater teachers uh, that went through that program or were directly affected by Mr. Castleberry, even if it wasn't at Baylor, um, that he encouraged them to go the path that they're on now. And so, you know, any anytime something like that happens, uh, it's very sad. And so my heart goes out to everyone affected by that and the family of, of Marion Castleberry. So I just thought I'd, I'd say something about that and, and, uh, you know, give, give my thoughts. So not sure how to transition from that, but, um, I I want you guys to enjoy this week's podcast, uh, with Mr. Tracy Jordan coming up in no particular order. Uh, I've, I've got Rena Cook, Jerry Ayers, which by the way, uh, so speaking of Jerry, I'll, and I'll speak on this when when I drop Jerry's episode. Uh, but for this week, the, the kind of tie-in really is uh, Tracy Jordan is really smart and uses such a large vocabulary in this interview that it's almost a professional development in the English language. And and as I've said earlier in this intro, uh, English is we don't get along, you know, um, and I do my best to use big words and speak goodly and stuff, but it just doesn't happen. So I, this interview alone, just the, the words that he uses, uh, and the reason I bring up Jerry is just cause I have in my notes that, you know, Jerry and I get into quite the deep conversation and that, that conversation in itself, along with Rena Cook, just coincidentally, uh, those conversations our professional development for free on a podcast platform. So, um, and uh, Larry Dockslager comes back to talk about his experience in Vegas, Sarah Wetzel, uh, Cindy Rankin Couch, Alexa Walters. Uh, and I, I even interviewed a former, not my student, but a, f- a student that uh, I did have some effect on. And you can listen to that. He talks about that in depth during our conversation. Anyway, Hope you guys, enough from me. Hope you guys enjoy. Please follow me on Twitter. Friend me on Facebook. Purchase a shirt. It'd be great. Leave uh, a review. Enjoy this really fun and uh, enlightening interview with Mr. Tracy Jordan. I was born in Dallas, grew up uh, in Dallas, and um, uh, I'd, I'd like to... This is testimony. Uh, at the outset, I have spent better part of 40 years uh, in the entertainment business and theater industry, thanks to my high school choir director, uh, Richard S. Bryan, may God rest his soul, um, had a professional career uh, singing with the Met in, in New York and in opera halls across Europe and uh, felt a call to teach. And he came back to Texas and uh, was, when I knew him, uh, choir director at uh, J.F. Kimball High School in Oak Cliff area of Dallas. And um, I know for a fact that, oh, dozens of kids that went through his program uh, ultimately ended up uh, going into and making a living in the business. So he had a tremendous influence, not only on me, but on hundreds of kids and uh, influence as well, whether they went into the business or not. He was he was much loved and uh, died too soon. But uh, the Lord took him home. Um, I uh, I 
for a, my mother put me in tap shoes when I was two years old. And I have always, uh, always tap dance. In fact, still teach dance uh, and theater movement today. Um, and probably will continue to do so until I die. My, my dance teacher, uh, Buster Cooper, that I grew up with, uh, taught three classes a week until the week before he died at 91. And I'm certain that it's what gave him long life and uh, kept him active. But uh, being a song and dance man, I really never had a desire to live in New York and to do the Broadway thing. Um, I, I really, really hate cold. And the first trip I ever made to New York, I went in for an audition and uh, happened to be there uh, in a late season blizzard. And the cars um, uh, on the curb were buried over their tops in snow. And the buddy that I was staying with, the, the apartment, he had a really nice apartment on 34th Street down from the Empire State Building. And the heat went out in the building. So here's two straight guys spooning in his Murphy bed, trying to keep from freezing to death. And that was the best show I never got. Um, but I went to Vegas. Uh, I had a, I did a, a, uh, an industrial show out there and it gave me an opportunity to look around and see what was there. And I thought, wow, you know, a lot of these production shows that are running on the strip have been playing for longer than any show in New York. So if you're looking for steady employment, um, and if you don't mind the heat, you can't beat the climate. Um, so I I moved to Las Vegas and got a got a audition, got a show the first day I was in town, and never looked back. And did shows up and down the strip for most of 20 years. Uh, uh, was the lead in the Folie Berger at uh, the Tropicana, and. Um, <clears throat> did Sugar Babies uh, with Mickey Rooney and Juliet Prowse. A lot of really interesting experiences uh, um, uh, over the time there and uh, had an opportunity to get into my own, uh, own business, but uh, came back to Dallas um, at the invitation of Michael Jenkins uh, to work for Dallas Summer Musicals and uh, ran the Majestic Theater for a while. And then he sent me to Houston to look at this program that they had started down there, the High School Musical Theater Awards. And uh, <clears throat> he said, uh, Frank Young wants me to do this. I don't want to do it, but go down and take a look at it. So I went down and uh, saw their award show and was just gobsmacked and immediately saw the potential for community outreach and institutional marketing and, and developing your brand and really as a way to connect not only with your community, but with your future uh, ticket buyers. And um, so I came back to Dallas and said, oh, Michael, we have got to do this. And um, <clears throat> so uh, Casa Manana in Fort Worth and Lyric Stage in Irving uh, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, had already started programs of their own. But interestingly, when, when Dallas Armour Musicals, which is really the cornerstone of, of the cultural scene in Dallas and has been for generations, um, that's where originally I got my equity card with Tom Hughes uh, <clears throat> years ago. Um, uh, it was as if people had been waiting for DSM to do this and with the knowledge and confidence that they really do it right. And the marching orders that Michael gave me was, Trace, if we're going to do this, I want the biggest program in the country. And I said, yes, sir. So uh, we started um, and uh, our first year we had about 30 schools. By our fourth year, we were the second largest program of its kind in the country. And if I can toot my horn about anything, uh, during that time, I kept our budget growth to below 10%. But we had schools all across North 
Texas and even reaching into Oklahoma and um, uh, Arkansas. Basically, I, I, my, my strategy was if we're going to be the biggest in the country, we're going to take all comers. <clears throat> and um, uh, we had great relationships with, uh, with Theater Under the Stars in Houston. They helped mentor us uh, initially. Uh, but we have uh, a great relationship with uh, uh, Las Casas Foundation in San Antonio, which has their program there. Um, uh, there's another program uh, we mentored in Austin that's a, a great program. They're just local. They don't, uh, they don't send their winners to the Jimmy Awards in New York. But the wonderful thing about it was um, it was really like striking a vein of gold. I, I, I know what a prospector must feel like when he hits gold because we really did. And um, uh, it caught fire like... Uh, Oh, I, I don't know what to compare it to. It, it really had nothing to compare it to in my experience, but it was a wonderful ride. Um, I was involved with the program for eight years. And during that time, it really gave me an opportunity to uh, get to know uh, theater teachers across the state. And um, since then, I've also... Uh, uh, been involved uh, as a judge with the one act play competition and uh, people outside of Texas kind of go, what's that? But if, uh, if you've never experienced it, it is another amazing thing that we have here in Texas, you know, 5,000 high schools and junior high schools participate every year. And uh, I have judged from 6A down to 1A schools. And uh, <clears throat> the same thing that I found with the High School Musical Theater Awards is a particular uh, theme that I love. And that is that talent is everywhere. Uh, it's sometimes and often counterintuitive. You, you go to a small country town and you think, oh, you're not going to find anything here. And sometimes you're just blown away by the level of talent, not only of the students, but the key is having a really good teacher who not only, number one, inspires, but secondly, teaches the kids a craft. I was working with a group of kids yesterday, and I said, you know, this is not rocket science. You have to be a great observer, really intuitive, and able to replicate what you see. I said, I'm, I'm a great student of human traits. I love to watch people and I'll see a, an interesting trait and I'll catalog that because I know someday I'm going to play a character. I can use that, that little quirk that he or she has. And uh, I love to tell a story. Our first year of the high school awards, we went out to Alito High School. This was in 2012. And uh, they were doing a production of Fiddler on the Roof. And there was a young sophomore girl, God bless her, uh, playing Yenta, the matchmaker. And she had the Eastern European accent and the, the mannerisms of a Yenta. She was absolutely perfect. And uh, here she is on the prairie of West Texas. Uh, could have been the steps of Russia, but I said, I got to interview her afterwards. And I said, where did you come up with that character? And she said, it was my grandmother. And, uh, you know, her grandmother was Italian, but she had that old world European zeitgeist and, and mannerisms. And uh, the, the girl was uh, just channeling her grandmother and she did a fabulous job of it. Um, so since then, uh, <clears throat> Michael used to accuse me of spending too much time on, on, uh, on social media. That's all you do. Sit over there in your office and write on Facebook. You're just looking at the posts. I uh, discipline myself every day to dedicate at the top of the day, 15 to 20 minutes um, to post and repost on Facebook, not necessarily pontificating my own thoughts, but looking to see what was out there, the different high schools, anybody that had 
pictures or video or interviews uh, about their programs um, and what was going on in their school, I'd pull it over to ours because I wanted to make that Facebook page a nexus for everything that was going on having to do with high school theater in, in our area. And um, really, you, you not only develop an audience, but you train an audience to come to your site to, to find out what's going on. Um, if, you're, if you're taking on that role as uh, uh, an information disseminator and, and distributor, uh, they, they come to you and they trust that what you've got is, or what, what's on your side is worth knowing about. And so since I left DSM, I've been uh, trying to uh, connect with and like and share with as many people around the state. I thought, you know, there's no reason we shouldn't have something like this statewide. A good friend of mine, Dennis Islas, is the director for uh, Texas Nonprofit Theaters. And um, uh, he and I have, uh, they have a youth theater conference every summer. And we have uh, uh, compared notes before. So I just thought, you know, it's a logical step to make uh, to go from uh, our region to try and um, create uh, relationships across the state. And who knows, maybe maybe someday we'll have a statewide high school theater awards program. But, um, you know, it. This is not anything that's exclusive to theater, but it's particularly true of theater. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're in business, the way to get ahead in business is to network. So if I can encourage these, these kids and teachers to network, there's always power in numbers and uh, a rising tide floats all boats. So that's that's kind of how we got to where we are now. All right, that was great. Uh... Also, you have a great voice. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure yeah, you, you. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you've been told that. I'm sure you have put that monetarily. I'm sure you've uh, turned that into something. But, uh, but uh, you can tell you've been at least classically trained in voice just by the way you speak. So, uh, I hope people say the same about me. But anyway, uh, so okay, you said a lot. I took a lot of notes, and I've got to go with the first thing, and that's Dallas. Uh, you know, uh, did you grow up in the Oak Cliff area or, um, you yeah. did cause, cause my wife is from Dallas. My, my, uh, one aunt by blood it lives in Richardson. Uh, you know, I'm very familiar with Dallas. I'm also very familiar with Oak Cliff and the, the kind of, uh, the reputation it has, uh, for, you know, not being the best part of Dallas. Uh, is, was that the same case when you were in school or, you know, where I, where you know, I, it's good. It, it, it like so many areas, uh, no, nothing ever stays the same sure. and it, it has changed quite a bit. Um, it's, it's the barrio now. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but there are a lot of areas, uh, in fact, some of the older areas of Oak Cliff, uh, that are, uh, experiencing gentrification yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, I have a cousin who's a plumber. And uh, he's been buying these uh, old houses and uh, along with his dad, who's also a plumber, yeah. uh, renovating them and uh, uh, flipping them. Yeah. Um, and there's down in the Bishop Arts District area, there's a whole new, uh, it's nearby uh, Methodist Hospital where I was born. Yeah. And, um, but there's a whole new uh, group of people coming in and working to, to renew that area. But when I grew up in Oak Cliff, it was a great place to grow up. Very much uh, middle class, blue collar yeah. uh, um, area uh, that uh, was. Uh, uh, it was it was just a great community. Yeah. Uh, uh, our family owned a plumbing business uh, in 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 Oak Cliff, and um, that was my first job. Uh, out of high school when I was in college. And uh, so going out with our, our plumbers and making calls on different families' homes around the city, around the area. You know, Oak Cliff is basically the whole bottom half, the southern right. half of Dallas. Yeah. Um, and um, have very has always had a very different 
feel to it than the North Dallas area. Yeah. Um, and um, it's it's an interesting history. If you ever have opportunity to read some of the old uh, history books specifically about Dallas. Um, so I, I hope that it will continue to, to have a revitalization. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, it's, it's really of, of the terrain of the Dallas area. Uh, they call it Oak Cliff because it's on a bluff overlooking the Trinity River. Uh, it's very hilly and uh, wooded. We had uh, in the house I grew up in had uh, two creeks on the property and miles of woods in the wow. summertime. Well, my dad at the confluence of the two creeks on the back end of the property, he built a fort for us and kids would come from all over the neighborhood to play. And we would range far and wide up and down those creeks and through the woods, building dams and, and tree houses and, and getting covered in poison Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's uh, uh, so it, it it was a great place back then. That's funny. That's, uh, you know, how I grew up was uh, bayous are all over Houston. And so we had a bayou running practically down our, through the, our backyard. And we would do the same in a bayou. But then when you grow older, you realize what's in a bayou uh, and why your parents let you play in those bayous. You don't, you never really understand. <laughs> but uh, so real quick, and, uh, you know, I never know where these things are going to go because it's, it's a conversation. But you said your family, you were a plumber, uh, your first job. Uh, out of college. Uh, so that's the one thing I'm afraid of is plumbing. Like I'm a very, uh, handy individual tech, you know, tech theater is my background. And, uh, I've, I even get flack from my sister when I say, I can't really build something for your house. Cause I build things to be destroyed in three, four weeks. Right. <laughs> but, but plumbing is one of those things I've never touched. Um, except to change, you know, to maybe flush out a pee trap or something because you never, you, water is not one of those things you, you know, unless you have, you know, you've got to shut it off. You, you don't know if you've shut it off until it's too late. And, uh, uh, that's always one of those things that blows my mind. The, you know, the plumbing world. And, and also you got to go underneath into a confined small space to kind of fix a problem and, Anyway, that's all. I, I, I don't have a question. I just needed to. <laughs> that's, that's, that's more of a rant. So get back to you. Uh, I, you said that you went to Vegas and you had uh, you got a, you landed a show your first day. And I've got to kind of tie the two things together because right behind you is your, you know, your large banner for audition prep intensive. But you what do you know about auditioning? You did it once and you got a show. <laughs> so what, what is it? You know, I, I mean that tongue in cheek, obviously, but, uh, how do you explain to somebody like, keep going, keep grinding? Um, because even though you had such fortune kind of going out to Vegas and also I commend you on understanding you didn't want to go to New York cause it's not for everybody, but, uh, uh, but talk a little bit about, you can, you know, I want to tie in the college audition prep intensive in a bit, but I, I do also want to talk about just kind of your experience in the world of auditioning, especially Vegas and how different it is. Well, you know, there's, <clears throat> there's a million paths to one's goal and there's a million different kinds of success. And, um, I, you know, I had our first year with college audition prep weekend, I had a father come to me. And he said, my son says he wants to, to work in the theater. I don't know what that means. So we actually uh, spend a fair amount of time helping to educate parents uh, that know your child is not going to starve. They're not going to be selling pencils on the corner. There are actually uh, many ways to make a, a very good living uh, in the entertainment industry. Um, and one thing I'd tell the kids is, the thing about uh, uh, this business is you're always going to be auditioning for your next job. And, um, uh, and so you hone that skill as well. Uh, this, the process that we work with these kids on is important, not just to help them get into college, but to set that, uh, that process for them to help them hone those audition skills because it's something they're going to be doing uh, constantly throughout their career. And, um, you know, uh, 
when I went to Vegas, that happened to be my first audition, not my only. Uh, and it was for a small show. It was for a, a slot tournament show at the at the Westward Ho, which as in Vegas, we officially uh, affectionately called it the Ho. I worked at the Ho. Um, and uh, but uh, oh gosh, uh, over my time out there, I I was uh, one of the the first six gondoliers they hired at the Venetian Hotel, and we developed that whole interactive attraction. Uh, I I was hired uh, again, and the interesting thing was, my background was theater. I had never done interactive work until I got to Las Vegas. I never had worked in a theme park until I got to Las Vegas. Um, when I got out there, I immediately discovered that at 5'10", I was two inches too short to be in any of the boys' lines in the production shows, the big production shows that had run for decades. So, uh, but... <clears throat> You had all these guys out there who were six feet tall and they want them six feet tall because the showgirls in their bare feet are six feet tall. And then they put them in four inch heels. So uh, they don't want their showboys looking up to the showgirls like, like that. But <clears throat> you had all these handsome, striking, statuesque men. And here was me, the, 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 um, the, the spicy character actor kind of guy who um, and very few people in that town were tap dancers. So if there was any work for a character actor, man who could tap dance and sing and dance uh, and do comedic work, I got it. Um, so, <clears throat> and there were eventually uh, uh, an, inter an interesting cadre of guys like that, and uh, we all seem to go around to these, these new entertainment projects together. Uh, the Star Trek, the experience, um, uh, the Caesar's magical empire. I uh, ultimately was involved in about four projects that were over $70 million interactive um, uh, uh, entertainment attractions. And it was a, you, you look back in retrospect and, and think, my God, what an opportunity that was, because you were working with directors from all over the country, working in an environment where literally money is no object. And uh, with cutting edge technology incorporated into what you're doing, that whole Caesar's Magical Empire thing was great. They had, it was a dinner show and it was basically uh you know, the magic castle in Los Angeles on steroids uh, with, with a Roman theme because it was at Caesars. And um, uh, we were doing dinner shows where you were basically the MC, the maitre d', the floor show and swept up after everybody left. Um, but we would do uh, a, in a, in a, in a uh, dining chamber that held only 27 people. You would, uh, you would, greet them in. And uh, uh, we had a script that we followed. The room was laced with uh, infrared beams. Uh, and uh, at, at a point in the, in the script, you'd, uh, you couldn't see the beams. People didn't know, but you'd break that beam and it would set off a sound cue or a light cue. Um, and, uh, you know, magically the, the goblet would slide across the mantle. Um, and then it was really interesting. Sometimes the computer would get off and you would suddenly realize, gee, that was a scream and it should have been a light cue. And that means I'm three cues off in the script. It's jumped down. So I've got to anticipate. Now I've got to change my script around because I know what, what the next cue is going to be. It's going to be, <laughs> it was an That's... interesting exercise in improv yeah. and fast thinking to cover your self man yeah i could talk to you forever anyway like i just just off that little bit i have so many questions but i will uh the, the infrared thing you know the, the my first introduction to to infrared was or follow spots were uh moving lights that you know a an actor would wear a receiver and the the spot would simply there would be no human controlling it 
the spot mm-hmm. would just follow the human. Uh, incredible. I, I do want to talk more about college audition prep in just a little bit, but I've got to get um, some of these other things out of the way uh, that I am curious about. One of them is uh, who starstruck you? Like who was somebody that you worked with that you were not necessarily speechless, but uh, that you kind of just found to be like, oh man, I can't believe I'm working with Jerry Lewis or, or, you know, somebody like that. Who was somebody that, that got you kind of tongue tied? Well, I tell you, uh, and this is not, I don't mean to sound haughty about this. You're allowed to. <laughs> I'm, I've never been a starstruck kind of person because, um, yeah, I had, I had an aunt, I learned a lesson from growing up. Um, she was, uh, she was a realtor and, um, she, uh, had not graduated high school back in the depression, but she, uh, was very much an entrepreneur. Uh, in 1940, she had the first Maytag distributorship owned by a woman in the state of Texas down in, uh, Beaumont. And, um, she, she never married, and she uh, made her life moving in a man's world, in the business world. And, um, you know, as a young teenager, I would go with her sometimes, and she would walk into a bank president's office, hold out her hand, say, I'm Dorothy Chance Realtor, and start a conversation with this fellow, just as if he were some average Joe. And you know what? He was. Uh, doesn't matter what position you're in, where where you are in life, everybody's just a person. And that was a great lesson to learn from her that you can go speak comfortably and confidently to anyone, um, and and get that respect back. So uh, that's kind of how I've always comported myself. You know, bef- in the days before. Uh, Netflix and and cable television and satellite TV and and all that when we just had regular old television uh, and uh, you know four channels five channels uh, you'd have uh, uh, in the summertime the afternoon movie or on a Friday or Saturday night the ten thirty movie and anytime there was a movie musical coming on my mother would sit me down in front of the television and say watch this. And that was my first time to ever see Singing in the Rain and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and all these other movie musicals that you've seen as well. So, you know, when I when I got a little older <clears throat> and was working in the ensemble at Casa Manana in Fort Worth and had opportunity to do the stage production of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, it just felt like a natural progression. Um, the old days uh, of... Summerstock, uh, the uh, the stars who had been big in the 40s and 50s, now in the 60s and 70s, were working in television, and nobody was shooting during the summer, so they would do Summerstock. So that's where you had an opportunity to work with a Ruta Lee or a Karen Morrow or um, you know different stars. And uh, you might start a show here in Dallas, and then it would do a six-week summer tour on the Kenley circuit up through the Midwest. But by fall, it had to, that was the end of the contract because those stars were back uh, in L.A. shooting their, their sitcoms. Now, that whole um, um, business model in L.A. has changed quite a bit as those stars have died off. But the next progression for me when I moved to Las Vegas, um, you know, there's always special events going on. There's always convention work going on. So, uh, as I said, I had opportunity to work with Mickey Rooney. I'd watched him growing up for years. He and, and Juliet Prouse uh, in Sugar Babies. Um, and uh, so it, it, I, it just struck me always the irony that uh, having watched these kids and, and you never want to say, hey, I watched you when I was a kid. Thanks, kid. You know, <laughs> right. but it's always a great uh, experience to to get to work with someone that you've admired right. all your your life growing up. You know, um, I had another opportunity to, uh, of all things, choreograph Donald O'Connor, who I had watched do make him laugh yeah. uh, since I was a kid. 
And um, uh, we were doing an industrial show, a convention show in Las Vegas. I got a call from his agent. He needed three guys to tap with Donald O'Connor and to set a number uh, uh, for this uh, appearance he was making. And I said, I can take care of that for you. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, today I'll, I'll mention Gene Kelly or Donald O'Connor or Fred Astaire and even even my advanced tap students who are, you know, 15, 16, 17, look at me with a blank face like, who are you talking about? <laughs> but um, uh, sometimes you, you'll find a student who knows because yeah. they've watched the old movies. Uh, and, I, and I always uh, give them a little bit of professional advice. I say, you know how you choreograph Donald O'Connor? You say, how would you like to do that, Mr. O'Connor? <laughs> um, right. But he was he was quite uh, quite a guy, a gentleman, and and every bit as friendly and gregarious as he seems to be in the movies. So um, you know those uh, he and Mickey and Juliet, uh, uh, several of my idols that um, I uh, had admired for years and had an opportunity to work with, and and I'm just very blessed, right. very blessed. That's really cool. Uh, you know, and it's a great perspective too. Uh, you know, I appreciate that perspective because, because it's, it's very true. And my, my father was a salesman. So it's this kind of same mentality of just, you just, you got to take care of the job pretty much and, and, and keep plugging forward. So I'm going to switch gears, uh, on you and ask about your one act play experience a little bit. Uh, did you do one act play in high school or, uh, you know, did you stay in choir the funny and thing is, in, in high school, I was in our thespian troupe uh, in high school and did our our uh, fall play and, and uh, other plays, but I never did. Right. Uh, we had two theater teachers at my high school, and the other one, the speech uh, and debate teacher, was in charge of the one act. So I never competed in as a high school student in one act. Uh, I came to, to the whole thing late in life. But I uh, was conscious of it and aware of it from friends who were participating in it. I really, in high school, was, was following more of the musical track. And, and when I was not at school, I really spent my life in dance class uh, four or five days a week. Um, so uh, I never, uh, I never uh, partook of it at, at that time. Uh, it was only later that I realized what I'd been missing. Yeah. And so, and then you, be, you have since kind of gone to the dark side and become an adjudicator and, uh, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, good for you. Uh, I, I want to ask, uh, one or two other things real fast before we get on to college audition. Um, but, uh, uh, you had a lot to do with the Dallas summer musical awards and all that stuff. Uh, you don't know this about me. I've said it a lot on this podcast, unless you've listened to every episode, but, uh, for me, you know, I have history with the Tommy tunes as well, as far as participating, not, uh, not being a part of the planning or anything, but we, when I was in Fort Bend ISD, we had 11 high schools at the time. It's soon going to, it's soon going to be 12. And I decided to kind of take that Patty Granville, um, model that is out in Garland Right. and adapt that to Fort Bend. And so I, I don't say that to toot my own horn, but what you said about the award show being community outreach and kind of building that community uh, is exactly what ended up happening uh, with a little bit of intention, but it was almost magnified and became bigger than I had originally intended it becoming in a good way uh, as, as far as being a community event uh where it it as i say to people it made the district smaller so people wanted didn't have a problem traveling 45 minutes from one school to the furthest school away from them to see a show uh so for for that i just again that's just something i want to say now the the question is you mentioned and i i don't think you're going to have anything to do with this maybe you will i don't know but you mentioned something about maybe eventually the state has an award show you know, a, 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 a Texas wide award show. Give me, and you're allowed to think about it because <laughs> you may not have the answer. If I, I have know. anything to do with it, they will. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but if, 
what what are what are one or two things that are a must in order to have a successful statewide award show? Uh, and I, and I'll give you the floor on that. Just kind of speaking points on that. You know, uh, I I. Um... I, I have so many uh, thoughts about this. You know, <clears throat> at one point I, I was looking at the the one act play competition, and wondered if that's the sort of is that the structure you want to build this on, uh, or is it the the through the thespians? Um, and and I haven't completely answered that yet. Um, and but I'll tell you what. Uh, a very important thing that I have learned uh, and any smart administrator had better learn this. And, you know, most of the most successful ones do. And that is, I don't have to have all the answers. I just need to enlist the most talented, creative people I can find and they'll come up with the answers. And, and that's a wonderful thing about this business. We were talk, I was talking about this with these kids yesterday. I said, you know, <clears throat> I, I created the, the, the DSM High School Awards, but I didn't do it by myself. I had about 100 people helping me put on that award show. And it's the biggest darn thing on a stage in the state every year. Uh, over 3,000 people in the audience a sold out crowd, 500 people on stage. You don't do something like that by yourself. I watched a guy, one of the <clears throat> guys I worked for early on in Vegas that thought he could be the producer and director and choreographer and set designer and light designer and build the sets. And uh, you know what? He That was one of the worst shows I've ever been in. It was it was an absolute train wreck, and the cast, all of us, were trying to get out of that show before it ever opened. Um, and that's you know that's uh, an ego folly, um, but that's the point is that the teamwork is what makes it fun. Uh, when you when you build a group of you know, I. I I, I do, I will again say I am truly blessed. Uh, and the Lord has blessed me with uh, an open mind. And I have learned, and it is, it is such a joy and exciting thing to get in a conference room with your creative team and say, here's our goal. How do we want to get there? And literally sit back and watch everyone effervesce. And you come up with uh, a plan among the group that uh, typically will be um, the best way forward. Um, because you're also, as you bounce, you know, that whole creative process, as you're bouncing ideas off of each other, you're also playing the devil's advocate. And my first concern is, okay, but can we afford to do this? because we have always a limited amount of resources, how can we accomplish what we want to accomplish with what we've got in terms of resources? Uh, can we reach out to other donors? Can we find someone who can donate services? Uh, and, and how can we make it attractive to them? And so it becomes a series of finding solutions for people who don't know they have that, that need yet but when I present it to you, you're going to realize, wow, what an amazing idea. And why didn't I think of that? So we've also just developed our sales skills as well. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's fun for me uh, to watch other kinds of creativity. I have one kind, but uh, I've watched people who are creative with numbers, which blows my mind, uh, you know, to find someone who can just run those, those figures in their head and come up with amortization and here's what we have to do. Okay. If you say so. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, I've seen people who are creative, uh, who are surgeons or, or, or diagnosticians, 
you know, I feel this, something's wrong and they figure it out. Um, so, uh, that, that was really the fun part for me. Um, and, and to, to be able to show off the creativity that that's been the greatest thing. And, uh, you know, something else I tell the kids is, uh, when, when we talk to them about the college audition process, I discourage them from using phrases like, well, that's my dream school. Yeah. And, and I say, don't ever say that because everywhere I have literally everywhere I have ended up in life, I never anticipated or expected to be there. It's why I know God has a sense of humor because he sits up (laughs) on his throne and he says, let's see what Tracy does when I do this. (laughs) Yeah. And then he stirs the pot or he opens a door. And I tell the kids, you've just got to be as prepared as you can be to walk through that door and take advantage of that opportunity. And, and you, you have to, you need to acquire a broad spectrum of skills and knowledge because you have no idea where he's going to take you. Yep. He's got a, a route and a path for you and a purpose for you. And, uh, but he's not going to show it to you all at the beginning. He gives you each new step when he has prepared you for that next, next phase. So um, uh, you don't know where you're going. So just be ready for the ride. Yeah. Just get in the back seat and let God drive and you'll be pleased. And, and so kind of a segue into the, the college audition prep weekend, um, which is actually the website as well, uh, .com yes. obviously. But uh, so I, I want you to talk about this a little bit because looking at it to me and, and you can go into a sales pitch and, this will be up before uh, that weekend comes about or that, that almost a full week, but it's five days. But uh, uh, I want you to sell it a little bit, but also just talk about kind of what it means to you. Because uh, for me, it looks like um, people are ripping you off. You're not ripping them off because it's rather inexpensive for ex- for what it is. And seeing the, the, the schedule and the faculty and staff that you have on there, um, uh, which, by the way, your headshot, and I don't mean this to, to sound rude, you look like you should have been in The Sopranos. Uh, the, your, <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, it just it, it just looks very, it looks like that. I don't know if you ever have gotten that before, but or like a Boardwalk Empire or something like that, but I love the headshot. It, it reminds me, um, and, I, and I said this off before we started recording about how my grandfather used to go to Vegas all the time and... Um, he had his, what they call it? pit boss, right? The, the pit yeah. boss, uh, your headshot looks almost identical to, and I'm assuming you're not him. Uh, it looks identical <laughs> to his pit boss. So, uh, that's, it's just kind of funny. That's a side note, but, uh, but I want you to talk about the, do you call it cap W? Um, or, or sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, we always, are sure to, to mention the W because I have some other colleagues, the college audition project out of uh, Atlanta yeah, and their cap. Yeah. Their cap. <laughs> so uh, we discovered that after the fact, and uh, there's been a little confusion about, are we part of cap? No, we're cap W. Um, and we, we, uh, we share some faculty even, and we, we are colleagues and work together at different times, but we're two different groups. Uh, I have to give credit where credit is due um, uh, because uh, originally um, uh, this whole thing um, sprang out of a conversation I had with with my friend Caitlin Hopkins, who is uh, leader of the musical theater program down at Texas State in San Marcos. And uh, I had the notion, look, we've got all these talented kids looking for college programs. And on the other hand, we've got all these college programs looking for talented kids. I have a music hall. Um, I have a venue. Let's bring everybody together. And Caitlin, if I, if I do that, what would you like to do again, yeah. uh, relying on her creativity and, and what we came up with, which we've really kind of developed and expanded upon since then 
is an opportunity. It's not an official audition. It is, it is not. We do a mock audition process, but it is an opportunity. We, we take the kids for a full day of master classes first, where I put them with the best faculty I can find. And uh, it's guys like Bob Westenberg, who was one of the original uh, princes in Into the Weeds on Broadway excuse me, Into the Woods on Broadway. And um, he happens to run the musical theater program at Missouri State University. Um, we use Dean Nolan, uh, who was the original Harry Bright in Mamma Mia on Broadway and happens on the theater and musical theater program, the acting program at Texas Tech in Lubbock. Um, uh, we have my friend David Gashin, who was a Broadway phantom and uh, international tour phantom, and uh, Josh Young from uh, Oakland University in Michigan, who was uh, a Tony nominee for uh, his role of Judas in, in uh, a revival of uh, Superstar and was the lead role in uh, Amazing Grace on Broadway. Um, a couple of my guys have have been nominated for Tony's. A couple of them had won Drama Desk Awards programs. And uh, I've had somebody say, how did you get those guys? I said, I asked them. They're friends of mine. I pay them. They come. <laughs> but we, we, we put those guys to work with the kids and they, they go through that process with them. Then we bring in uh, college programs from across across Texas and, and Oklahoma. And, and now that we've incorporated the Zoom connection, thanks to COVID, that's one thing good that came out of COVID. Yeah. I realized I can extend our reach even farther. So we have colleges from coast to coast, Michigan, the top program in the country, they come in, um, Tish, <coughs> uh, Slippery Rock up in Pennsylvania, uh, 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 Alabama, Birmingham, um, just we've got a great lineup of programs that come in, but it is an opportunity for these kids to work on their audition skills and to get one on one feedback from these college directors who they're going to be auditioning for uh, next year or uh, a year or two hence, um, because we, we make it open to any high school kid who wants to come. Uh, and we've had kids not only from Texas, but from across the country come into this. Because to my knowledge, I am not sure that there's another program quite like this in the country. And we started out as a weekend. Now we're up to five days because of the number of schools that want to come in and participate. It's really uh, an opportunity for them, like going down to the minors, to see what talent is out there. And, and who's coming up, you know, if you know you've got an ethnic lead or supporting person in your stable at your college program who's going to be graduating next year or the year after, you're looking to replace that, that piece of the puzzle in your stable. And I tell the kids, this is another reason I tell them, don't talk to me about your dream school because they don't care. That carries no weight with them. Oh, I really want to go to your school. Thank you. I can't use you. And that is your first lesson to what it's going to be like in live, real, professional entertainment industry. You may be the best person on the stage, but if they want an ethnic and you're white, if you're tall and they want short, if you're skinny and they want fat, it doesn't matter. You're not getting the job. But the great thing about, about this program is all my faculty they all know each other. They all talk to each other. And if I can't use you, I'm going to mention you to Harry over at TCU. I bet he could use you. And they'll help you find that, that school that, that will work for you. Well, wow. So the other, the other aspect of it that I think is helpful is not only are we giving the, the colleges the opportunity to see the kids, but it's like a one-stop shop. Every college does a program overview presentation for the students and their parents who can come. 
so that they get an idea for what the culture of the school is like and that whole zeitgeist on their campus. And <clears throat> then we have, we have seminars that we designed specifically for the parents yeah. while the kids are doing their thing um, to, for those whose dads say, you know, I don't know what this means. <laughs> um, we, we have uh, my associate director, uh, Becky, Fredrickson, who's a professor at uh, Texas Women's University in Denton, uh, she went through this with her own son. So being a very analytical, detail-oriented person, she put out a whole spreadsheet for her checklist because he was applying to upwards of 40 different programs around the country. And they have different due dates for different forms and different auditions. And you've got to keep track of all of that. And so you really need a system. And she works with, with our parents on, on how to be, in effect, the business manager, uh, the talent manager for the student who rightly needs to make their focus on honing their skills and being as prepared as possible to do the audition aspect of that. Then we also have uh, a gentleman, Doug Bryan, who is a financial planner. And he works uh, with the parents to show them how to develop a financial plan to pay for that college right. dream. And, and he himself has put his daughter on with his daughter through this whole process. You know, I pour the Kool-Aid. And yeah. uh, at the same time, I tell the kids, it is unless somebody wants to give you a full ride or money is not an object with your family, you don't want to go through school for four years and come out on the other end having a quarter million dollars in, in student loans for a career that you're still going to have to audition for every job right. you, you take. So it's okay to have the dream, but you also got to figure out how to pay for the dream. My new 